what does he say? The human torch was denied a bank loan. That's what it is. <laughs> I don't know. I got lamp from that. Maybe the torch. The human torch was denied a bank loan. <laughs> the human torch was denied a bank loan. The arsonist has oddly shaped feet. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. I could have sworn there was something about Batman too, like in his utility belt. I might I might be conflating that with something else. Yeah, it's mm. not on there. Anyway. <clears throat> That's our cue. Welcome to Predator Minute, the podcast where we break down the 1987 one. Oh, I totally messed that up. <laughs> what was I thinking? What? I totally messed it up. Okay, start over. <laughs> was the, the first episode or the second to last? Uh, <laughs> it's just See, it's a circle, Jeff. Like circle time, is a, time is a flat circle. Time I told is you a that. flat circle. Murph. Okay. <laughs> Murph. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, all right, all right, all right. Welcome to Predator Minute, the podcast where we break down the 1987 action sci-fi classic Predator one minute at a time. I'm John Zabriskie. And I am Jeff Glover. And today we're talking minute 103 of Predator, what we're calling the penultimate episode of mm. this very podcast, this limited series podcast. We reach the end of the narrative portion of the film, don't we? Yeah, this is, this, it. this is it. Like we're rolling credits by the end of this minute. So we're all done really talking about what's happening in the movie wow. uh, by the end of this minute. Sadly, mm. yes. I don't even know how to feel. Yeah. Yeah. The, porn, it doesn't help porn. that the first part of the minute is playing the goodbye song. It's like, oh, I've listened to this so many times over the last couple of days. It's like it's it's like sadder every time I listen to it and see mm-hmm. Arnold. But oh man, as we've been doing over the past what 15, 16 episodes, as we yeah. talk about Predator, we also like to dip into what the number one hundred three would mean, and then we kind of convert that to uh, to a year. In this case, that would be the year two thousand three. But uh, what do you know about 103 and like the 103s of note there, Jeff? Oh, well, I love that you dropped the 103 is a twin prime. Twin prime. Which means twin prime, which means it's uh, two numbers away from another prime, um, which happens a lot in mm-hmm. our number system. In fact, it happens an infinite number of times. But what? Uh, yeah, but uh, a, a an example of that would be like um, five and seven are twin primes. Because there's on, one five, number in between six, them. Oh, that's a twin prime. It is five and seven. Also, um, eleven and thirteen, um, seventeen and nineteen. Uh, there's lots of twin primes. What's weird about twin primes is as our number line goes on and on, twin primes get further and further apart and become more and more rare. But at some point in history, I don't know which mathematician did this or when it was done, but there was a mathematician that proved that there's an infinite number of twin primes, even though they do get further and further apart. That is fascinating. I love my primes, so it's good to know that they're still hanging around in the infinity realm. Right. Oh, yeah. They're still there. Um, so that there's your fun, fun math fact for the day, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Twin primes. At least you're teaching somebody about math, right? Somebody, somebody's listening. All right. Someone's listening to you now talking about math. Um, yeah. 
It's it's weird that when I was looking at the number 103 on the Wikipedia, it also mentions this is the emergency number in Israel. No, uh, Ukraine, Belarus, and India. And I could have sworn that was also the case for 102. So apparently, if you're in any of those three countries, <laughs> you just have to mash some buttons if you're in a gym. And <laughs> it's going to call any number <laughs> of emergency number. Any, any, anybody's going to come to your rescue. That's smart because your thumb might slip if you're in an emergency situation. So... <laughs> That's good. Uh, good. Good thinking ahead by them. Yeah, can't yeah. wait to see what one hundred four and one hundred five. <laughs> oh man, I don't even know. What are we gonna do for? Oh my gosh, we're gonna like jam pack everything into that last minute. Oh geez, I don't know if I'm gonna be willing to talk about the years two thousand four through two thousand seven. You might have to focus on the credits and uh, a little end of the year uh, celebration, end of the project celebration, perhaps. Sure. Yeah, yeah. a little little cake, a little ice cream, mm, a little whiskey uh, for sure. Mm. Yeah, a whiskey and a flask of Jack. Mac, oh. Jack and a flask with Mac. Mac with I think- a flask of Jack. Mac, 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 Mac. I, th- I think you know when we first started this project, we could not have predicted there would be a global pandemic. Um, and I, I always hoped that for our final episode, we could be in the same room together, drinking some whiskey together. Yes. Unfortunately, we cannot do that. But, um, you know, we can pretend we'll, uh, we'll make some cocktails or just pour some liquor into a cup and, uh, <laughs> and, and enjoy ourselves for our final episode. So there please. We, go. we can definitely still drink. Yeah, we sure can. <laughs> and listeners at home or on the, I was going to say on the road, definitely not on the road unless you're on a bus, <laughs> then by all means, you know, partake with us, uh, as we, uh, close the book on, predator and predator minute next episode that would be quite enjoyable and you don't have to be drinking you could be you know uh partaking in a twinkie or in uh a nice sudsy bubble bath yeah look up look up some meth uh go find your your local heroin dealer like just just find something to relax you if you're in the jungle hey let us know right right be kind of fun well, I'm looking forward to it. But for now, we still have an episode to do. Yes. And we're going to do 103. What What else from the number 103 <laughs> jumps out to you? Another crappy little Washington Highway, Washington <laughs> 103. It's another 101 uh, tributary? I don't know. I can't mm. remember the, the right word for that one. Uh, Washington 103 goes along the Long Beach Peninsula here on the Washington State Coast. You've probably yeah. been on this, haven't you? Quite a bit, quite a bit. My mother-in-law for years lived on the coast of Long Beach, and uh, we would drive 103 out to her house. <gasps> so I know that highway well. Mm-hmm. Hey, and how fitting is that you go from 101 to 103? <gasps> do you high-five and talk about Twin Primes? Holy shit. <laughs> Holy I never shit. even realized that. If I had told my wife <laughs> while we were driving that we were going from one twin prime to another she would have slapped me really hard in the face and not had sex with me for four years <laughs> oh we have the two kids now so you can probably take it yeah it's fine i mean <laughs> it's it's fine <laughs> oh man yeah I, I don't know if i've been on 103 but i've probably been close to it i think long beach is on our list of places to visit mm. it's yeah. a good spot cool well 
we need to talk about 2003 because 2003, um, at least for me in a big way, this is a huge year of change of changes. Like my voice is deepening and there's hair growing <laughs> a new, no, that's from before. <laughs> no, but like, uh, I think 2003 represents a huge change for me because I had dropped out of college a few years prior and like just kind of worked at one job and started to build a base of friends, which was really cool. But in 2003, I start going back to school back. Back. Thank you. Um, to work on my AA and then tr- I would eventually transfer the next year to the big four-year university, the one I went to the first time the where you graduated Western Washington. Um, but in the meantime, like I'm like starting to work out so much, uh, like almost every day at the local Y I'm seeing just a ton of movies, which we'll talk about the movies later, but like I highlighted in blue, all the movies I saw in theaters uh, down the list there. So you can see just like, I was really becoming kind of like the modern day version of me, like uh, just love and exercise and movies. Yeah. Uh, a lot of pop music and eighties music. Hmm. Um, so yeah, if you want, we could jump on the the music train here and you could tell me how he didn't really connect to the music yeah. from 2003. Well, I uh, just piggybacking off what you said, I, I can identify that Oh three was also a, a time of change for me actually for mm-hmm. some slightly different reasons. But, um, that's when I graduated uh, from college. Oh, uh, congratulations. I know, because I, I didn't drop out like a fucking bum. Um, <laughs> what a loser. <laughs> <laughs> um, he went back, everybody. Got his degree. Yeah, Don't yeah, worry. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was also the year that I first started teaching. I was 23 years old teaching oh in a high God. school. And uh, it was also the year that I moved in with my girlfriend, who would later become my wife. My so, wife. My wife. <laughs> my wife. <laughs> so that was also that was a it was looking back on it. That was a big year. It might. Wow, two thousand three. Really, two thousand three. Yeah, two thousand three. We. Uh, well, wait, did we move in together in 2003? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> Just say you did because it's better. It might have been 2004. It was Maybe it was 03. No, it was 03. It was. Yep, it was. Yeah. <laughs> I had to patch that together. I was also drinking a lot. Uh, <laughs> um, you want to move in together? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was definitely 03 now that I think about the timeline. But uh, yeah, it might, um, that might be a reason why, in terms of popular music, I have very little connection to this list of popular songs at the time. I was so very focused on other things in my life that I didn't have a lot of time for pop culture. And um, even looking at the movie list, this is kind of a strange year movie wise for me. There's a lot of these movies that. Um, I did not see in this year. I maybe saw later, but um, I just looking at this, I, I can tell that I was a little disconnected from um, pop culture as I was very, very busy with other things happening in my life. So mm. um, that, that that probably plays a part. Oh, totally. I mean, yeah. it's yeah, it's it's like you're saying we're kind of on passing highways. Uh, you were like leaving Western and starting your professional life and i was like leaving my long time <laughs> my long time first job honestly that I'd worked at <laughs> pretty soon i was in that transition phase of going back to school Mac! um but like in that meantime in that kind of 2002 to 2000 whatever 2008 that was like my you know my college years and then like my internship year where i was finally making friends for the first time in like since like my middle school days 
Uh, and so like, I'm like kind of having this late blooming time in my life where uh, I'm hanging out with friends. I'm going to movies with other mm-hmm. people. I'm you know, you know, partaking in sports and travels with friends uh, for the first time ever. So it's like hitting that way late, but uh, all the, all the same, it's definitely a highlight year for me. I think really finally back to 2003. Um, I mentioned here in the music itself, uh, we mentioned vice city playing that a lot last minute. Um, a huge influence became like that became a lot of the music I listened to for yeah. years, including like through my college years, there is listening to eighties music, just a ton of, I would like, I would make so many uh, CDs, so many mixed CDs with eighties tracks and like kind of, kind of illustrate those uh, editable, those recordable CDs. I can't even think of the name now. Like, Did you, you CDRs. CDRs, CDW, yeah. CDRs. Yeah. Did you, grab the Sharpie and like write out the track list on top of the uh, CD or did you just write like hot summer mix? Yeah. I, I was more on. like hot summer mix. Oh, three or like <laughs> I, I take, I took a lot of the uh, tracks you'll see listed here on the, the singles, <laughs> the singles chart I made for 2003. Uh, a lot of those went on to their own CDs and I would just say something like, yeah, like rap rock or dance yeah. or whatever. Um, my proudest one, Fittingly enough, um, for the 80s CD, uh, I was like freehand drawing like covers of movies from the 80s. And one of them I hand drew was not Predator, but it was The Terminator with Arnold in the shades holding the gun. I, I was always so proud of that sharp awesome. illustration. Yeah. have no idea where that went, but mm, uh, that's too bad. Definitely provided lots and lots of listening. Um, and I, I was thinking like, why am I listening to so? How do I know so many of these songs? How was I like so so in touch with like all of a sudden like going from like music years where I didn't really listen to any of that modern stuff and was just listening to like dance or electronic and all of a sudden like I'm listening to all this whole this I don't know wide range of songs like uh, uh, what you have like Fighter by Christina Aguilera like the 50 Cent songs like Into Club and 21 Questions Magic Stick mm-hmm. um, a bunch of like the emo rock from like Good Charlotte and Simple Plan Um so you were all about it. You were into it. I didn't know why. I was like, when I was thinking about this, and then I thought, oh, well, one of the things I started doing in 2003 was like, like I said earlier, was going to the YMCA like every day to work out. And I just had one of those arm radios and it just kind of like I would click around the stations. Oh, and so yeah. you hear the same songs over and over and, and you really become attached to those uh, songs. But I listen to a lot of different stations. So I have a lot of connections to these songs. Yeah. Even, even if, you know, some people would look back and say like, ah, oh, it's not that that good of a year for music, but I, I connected a lot and made a lot of, like I said, the mixed CDs based on these songs I was hearing over and over again. Interesting. Hmm. Well, yeah. a couple of these do uh, jump out at me as I remember being songs that I, I liked and, and had, and, um, Seven Nation Army by the White Stripes yes. was one that I liked. I really liked that album. Um, I have a guilty pleasure pleasure with uh, Shake Your Tail Feather by, mm-hmm. um, oh, by yeah, Puff Daddy. That was a good one. Yeah, the Bad Boys 2 soundtrack or Bad Boy soundtrack. Um, and uh, Oh, good point. I need to – oh, you found the music connection. Thank you so much because I had a hard time finding the music connection. Of course, it's Shake Your Tail Feather. It's, yeah. I never made that music connection because like this time around because I just had that on like – I was past buying CDs at this point. I was just making all the mixed CDs, but I definitely right. put that on and listened to the crap out of that song. Right, that voice right. Too. Just just downloading Kazaa on your parents' computer and blowing oh, that shit yeah. up. Yeah. 
I think, yeah, I think we talked about, I think mine was Shiraza. Shiraza? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Shiraza. <laughs> hey, it's still um, there, bringing people to people, peers to peer together. There <laughs> you go. Still, still there. Still running. Oh. Um, yeah, but so like I said, I, I none, not a whole lot of these jump out. Are there others on the list? I'm going to kind of let you uh, take the lead on this. Are there others on this list that you want to highlight as as uh, um, the ones that you were into yeah a huge one that like I didn't really listen to until I hit western uh, a year after this was the postal service um, oh yeah they had the such great height song they had a few other songs from that album I can't remember the name of the album it has like a funky name but uh, that's the band made by and can't remember his last name from Death Cab for Cutie, like a, hey, a local band. They're from oh, Bellingham, yeah. Washington. Yep. And he joined up with, I think, an electronic artist, if I remember correctly, and they uh, called themselves Postal Service and released a couple albums. And I've listened to that album a lot uh, when it hit the Western scene because that was like, um, yeah, well, you know the Western scene. Sure. <laughs> fun, like, kinda... fun fact for you, the yeah. uh, drummer, I believe, of Death Cab for Cutie, um, his younger sister, I went to school with from kindergarten all the way up until I graduated high school. And then she also went to Western, uh, when oh. I did. So it's like one of the only people that I've gone to school with at the same school my entire <laughs> life. And her brother was the drummer for death cab. Pretty crazy. Whoa. Yeah. Did you ever, did you ever meet her brother? I did not. We weren't really friends. I mean, we were friendly. We knew each other. She's super nice, uh, but we just didn't really hang out in the same circles. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll throw out a couple more that really stand out, stand out to me. Hey, Ya, uh, Outcast. Oh, yeah. That was a great or album. Or is Hey, Ya, or is that considered, um, what's his face? Is that just Andre 3000, or is that considered Outcast? I think that was a, an Outcast song. Yeah. 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 Just yeah. looking it up. You're right. Uh, that one, because that was played everywhere, but that's actually one of those songs where they play everywhere that I really liked. Just so, just so darn catchy when you're shaking the Polaroid. Oh, shake that Polaroid and picture. Shake it like a Polaroid picture. Uh, let's see. The Remedy by Jason Mraz, someone I've listened to like ever since then. I just listened mm. to his stuff. Uh, and what else? And I have to say the Donnie Darko song, The Mad World by Gary Jules. Oh, yeah. Which like was kind of like my intro to kind of darker indie movies. Um, mm. what did, Donnie, did Donnie Darko come out that year? I don't think it did. I don't think it did. That was 2001. Was, we are, yeah, we're a couple already years prior. Yeah, we talked about it, I think, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. but that was another like thing at Western that I was exposed to. It was like this little darker side of movies and kind of more cerebral really make your noodle work yeah <laughs> yeah mm. uh. all right well speaking of making your noodle work jeff where can people find <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible okay how about how about games any standouts for games i'm going to go ahead and just say uh no not for yeah me. this is again a, a weird year for games and it's also as i mentioned on the last episode a year that i kind of got away from video games um, I didn't. I was still a poor young teacher. Didn't really have a lot of extra money to spend. Um, I believe at this point I had sold off my GameCube, and mm-hmm. um, it would be probably a decade or maybe even longer before I owned a video game system again. So 
I am I'm very out of the loop with these games. I I you know Mario Kart for GameCube came out this year. That would probably would have been fun if I hadn't have sold my GameCube. Right. Um, <laughs> um, I know people love the Tony Hawk series, and uh, Tony Hawk Underground came out that year. Yeah, thug. Yeah, Max Payne two. I know people love that. Max Payne, kind of one of the innovators of the third person 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 um, kind of actioner like that. Uh, right. The first Call of Duty, so that's a big deal. Yes. Um, but again, I, I never really played any of these games, um, so I don't have a strong connection to them. I think I was still playing a lot of Vice City from the previous year, along right. with the very first game I, I mentioned there, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Uh-huh. Uh, it's That was kind of like a big uh, game for creating these multiple pathways as you play, and mm. you can choose if you're going to be more light side or dark side in this game. And you're going planet to planet in the galaxy. Uh, this is the old Republic time, so it's way before the, you know, the galactic civil war between the Empire and the Rebellion, or, or even the prequels. So, is this where like decisions you make can affect sort of how the game progresses? Uh, m- more just the. I mean, every situation you come across, like it's already scripted that that thing is going to happen, but it's how you react is Got that's going to decide if you're good or if you're perceived as good or bad. And this is something, this is like a mechanic that's carried on even to this day. When you talk about things like, uh, what is Meyer's favorite game? What is that called? He is like, uh, they just came out with three games, mass effect. Like that's very similar style of games. Uh, there are a lot of games like this now that have a mechanic of like, Oh, you come to somebody with a decision and you can choose like the good one or the bad one or the neutral one. And that's right. Well, it kind of took a while because you need a lot of storage to be able to program a game that has different paths. Right. Yes. These older games, they, they didn't really have the ability to do that even if they wanted to, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's kind of cool to sort of see that beginning and then see how it's evolved over time. And now it's a pretty regular thing. And in most kind of RPGs or these sort of like, you know, even first person shooters where it, you're in kind of an open world, like your decisions will change the outcome, which is kind of cool. Yeah. No, it's way yeah. cool. Yeah. But yeah, let's, let's enter the movies. What is, uh, what's going on? What's standing out to you with the Oh three movies. Yeah. So, um, I, I do have more connection to these movies. I, this is, so I did not have a lot of money as I mentioned at the time, but, um, you know, when you're, I was living in a small town, um, and to go see a movie at a matinee was maybe five bucks. So um, five bucks. Yeah. You know, like you just go to the matinee in Bellingham, like it was yeah. cheap, you know, especially that little sea home village theater that had three screens. Um, yeah. Oh, I remember you, that, you know, but that's not there anymore. But um, uh, let's see. So Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, of course, was uh, was a huge one. Yeah. And, and uh, the Matrix Reloaded, is that the second Matrix? That's the second one. Yeah. I remember seeing that. Um, the first Pirates of the Caribbean um, and then Terminator 3. Now, I, I'm going to take a moment and talk about Terminator 3 because Please. Terminator 3 is objectively not a good movie. No, it's, it's not. Is this Uh, another one you like, Jeff? I. (laughs) It's all bullshit. (laughs) It's bullshit. You set us up. It's all bullshit. Um, Terminator 3 is a bad movie that has some amazing action sequences in it. Agreed. 
That's what I'll say. Okay. The the chase sequence with the trucks and that yep. big like construction truck that has the crane on it. That whole sequence, I think that happens like in the first half hour of the movie or so, mm-hmm. um, is pretty fucking incredible. And everything around it to the dialogue, the story, the writing, the script is is pretty trash, if you ask me. Um, mm-hmm. What really took me out of it, what I really got mad about that movie was, is I thought they had a good idea for that movie, but I thought the casting choices were awful. Yes. I, I, I hated that kid that played John Connor. Next um Claire Danes is a good actress, but she was miscast yeah. in that movie. I didn't like how they played Arnold's uh, role kind of for laughs in the beginning when he puts on the silly star glasses. Like, yeah, that was terrible. That was terrible. Like, talk they, to the hand. Talk to the hand. Oh my God. Like, talk <laughs> about just, you know, the first Terminator is so gritty and like such a dark sci fi action movie. And then to have two movies later be that just made mm-hmm. me so mad. But, um, I did really enjoy some of the action sequences. So I revisited as one of those weird, like movies that I had on DVD that um, I don't know. I think I got it in a bargain bin or something. So I watched it probably more times than I should have. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, so there's my, there's my Terminator three take. <laughs> oh my God. Bad, but has some watchable parts. Talk to the hand. Sure. Yeah. I like, like you were saying, I like the action stunts. I hated that at the end. They're like, well, the, future is going to happen anyway like okay like that's that would have been the one thing to kind of redeem that movie for me was like okay we did it we saved the future and it's like uh like it's appropriate in the terminator the first one to still acknowledge yeah the future the crappy future is going to happen yeah uh, because that's like the tone of that movie but the tone of terminator 3 is not that the tone is like we're kind of goofing around so we can save the future and they don't save the future at all like, no, mm. and there's so many like unexplained random coincidences mm-hmm. in that movie. Like, there's near the end of the film when John Connor and the Claire Danes character they're running from the bunker, and there's an airplane, and they <laughs> run towards it, and and he's like, "Let's get in the plane," but I don't know how to fly, and she's like, "I can fly a plane. I used to practice with my grandpa." What? <laughs> You did not. What? Like <laughs> that's the explanation. They both get in, and she's just like a top-notch pilot. Yeah, <laughs> out yeah. of nowhere, she's a vet. <laughs> oh my god! Like it's ridiculous. But um, yeah, so <laughs> this is uh, old news, though. Everyone knows the Terminator Three is not very good. Talk to the hand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you got? What? Uh, this is a long list. What else jumps out at you? This is a super long list. Um, kind of like I was listening to a lot of music at the time. A lot of like popular music uh, i was watching so many of these movies i was like like i said i was making friends who i could go see all these movies with and i saw nine out of the 10 top grossing movies this is the first 10 movies are the uh, wow. 10 top grossers starting with lord of the rings return of the king uh and finding nemo matrix reloaded pirates one bruce almighty last samurai oh last mm. samurai so good um mm. with the ninjas of, of course oh it's like in heaven uh terminator 3 make matrix revolutions x-men 2 and bad boys 2 and matrix revolutions was the one i did not see because i saw matrix 2 in theaters so there's no mm. way i was gonna see no way they're gonna catch me twice yeah i i was okay with matrix reloaded like i recognized it wasn't as good as the first but i was like okay. good action scenes good action scenes. <laughs> really good action scenes i was yeah i was um i was still kind of intrigued by this sci-fi storyline and i kind of forgave its faults 
And then I saw Revolutions in the theater, and I've never watched it again. That's the last time I ever saw that movie. (laughs) You know, they're coming out with another Matrix, Matrix 4, I believe. Okay, I'll see that. Yeah, Yeah, I'll watch it. (laughs) I'll watch that. Um, But yeah, like uh, in total, and I highlighted in blue, like I said, the ones I had seen in theater that I was pretty sure I saw in theater. I, I, I think it's somewhere in the 20 to 23 movie range with like the it's best year. being best great year. The best being return of the King. I also really like finding Nemo that holds up and it is beautiful. If like you have that on DVD yeah. or Blu-ray or just like, you know, you buy it off Amazon and HD. It is a gorgeous movie and uh, a nice little romp under the sea. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say Lord of the Rings is like top, top, top tier. X-Men two was good. Um, phone booth was surprisingly good with man. You done made me hurt my dickhead. Um, yeah, Colin Farrell and Kiefer Sutherland down with love was fun. Cause it's Renee Zellweger and Ewan McGregor, uh, singing all their own songs. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, and then on like the bad pile, you have things like Gili. Oh, Ooh. that was as bad as people said it was, um, <laughs> SWAT. Mm. That was uh, Colin Farrell's, I think, second movie of the year. Second or third. I think it was his third big movie because he had Phone Booth. He had SWAT. And wasn't he in McTiernan's movie Basic? Oh, I never saw that. I never did either. But I think Colin, I think that was like the year of Colin Farrell. Oh, sorry. Did I say three movies? I think I meant four. Oh. Because, of course, he's the bad guy in Daredevil. One of the many bad guys in Daredevil. Uh. Let me check. Oh, I don't think he is in basic he's not but the okay. uh, basic was um i think one of mctiernan's last movies directed if not the last movie mm. yeah well there's a couple other others on here that jump out at me that i'll quickly yes. mention and then we can move along here um as a as a horror nerd house of a thousand corpses mm-hmm. um is starts rob zombie's foray into film and he's a very polarizing figure in the yeah. horror world um i fall somewhere in the middle but House of a Thousand Corpses is notable just because it's his first. Um, let's see. Uh, 28 Days Later is a fantastic yes. zombie film that was somewhat revolutionary at the time. Um, and you've got Freddy versus Jason, which is not good in my opinion. <laughs> but it was the movie that fans have been clamoring for for over a decade that they finally got. Um Cabin Fever is a great little horror movie that I think mm. is underseen and underappreciated. Um, and you've also got some other good uh, kind of dramas, thrillers like Matchstick Men, Lost in Translation, Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Yes. Um, and probably my favorite Jack Black performance of all time in School of Rock, which mm-hmm. is still one of my favorite comedies. And I cannot let us go without mentioning Kill Bill Volume 1. Mm-hmm. Um, might be my favorite Tarantino, eh, maybe top two, wow. uh, but I love Kill Bill Volume One and Volume Two for that matter. But gotta mention it, of course. And it's the holiday season that this is coming out, and that we're recording, of course. And uh, I can't miss uh, the movie Elf, which is kind of mm-hmm. a lot of people's modern day Christmas go to. Um, yeah, love Elf. Cool, cool little aside. Elf is directed, of course by John Favreau mm-hmm. uh, who like also directed Iron Man one and I think two, but now is like all the rage because of his work on the Mandalorian being the executive producer yeah, uh, of and, that. And he's been writing and directing a lot of those pretty cool. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, 
I was just reading his IMDb last night because I was telling Sarah all about it because just loving, loving, loving Mandalorian so much lately. Uh, oh, another John Favreau fun little tie-in. Uh, Sarah and I watched Chef uh, when she was pregnant with Eva, and then a couple months before Eva's birth, uh, we went on our baby moon to Miami because of <laughs> all the delicious food they're showing <laughs> and like food trucks and like the food scene in Miami in the movie Chef. Uh, that's a great it. that's a great little movie yeah yeah oh yeah great little movie and yeah that, not often will a movie like kind of inspire you to go to a certain location but uh, right it, it really did it for us nice i love it cool oh, you know, i need to fix my timing there i think it's when does it start to fade to black sorry i just want to correct my because that's no my music cue every time when you say like oh this will last for the first uh, you know, this many seconds, I actually just take that piece of the track off of uh, track, 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 off Got of it. audacity, plug that Got into it. match. Okay, cool. So it's all lined up. I think, I think we've done it. I think we're ready to talk about predator. Let's do it. That's why we're here, right? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Looks that way. Yeah. Um, did you want to do the, Minute 103 opens with, or did, wait, did you already do that? I didn't do it. Let's okay. do it. So minute 103, the twin prime, opens <laughs> with Dutch waiting in the wasteland for the rescue chopper and ends with someone reading a Sergeant Rock comic book. Someone. Hmm. Who could that be? What a weird pairing of opens and closes. <laughs> <laughs> we will start with the first 52 seconds of this minute. We carry over from last minute. We continue to see the wide shot of the smoke pushing down and around Dutch and the hero log and the rescue chopper descends from the top of the frame. We cut to a closer shot from behind Dutch with the chopper hovering above the ground about 20-ish feet from Dutch. Cut to a close-up of General Philip's face sitting in the chopper and looking at Dutch. The camera pans to the right to show Anna Anna's face as she also watches Dutch with a single tear rolling down her cheek. We get a hard cut to Dutch, now also sitting in the chopper, next to the open door, caked in mud, ash, blood, and possibly man milk? <laughs> he is staring what? straight at... <laughs> <laughs> I just read it. He is staring straight ahead as the jungle passes below him. The camera pushes in on his face in 10 seconds into this one shot. Dutch's eyes drift to the open window and the passing jungle. We cut to a wide shot of the chopper rising above the jungle as it flies away from the camera and toward the misty blue mountains. End of first part and end of movie before credits. End of movie. That's it. That's we're it. just we're, we're just about to wrap things up. This mm -hmm. is exciting and sad at the same time. It is. So, what do you what do you make of of this ending? I know you got some specific bullet points to hit here, but just mm -hmm. your overall impression of this sort of final scene from this film after having analyzed all 102 previous minutes. Are you satisfied with this ending? Um, does it let you down? What, what's what's your feeling? Uh, I have to say, this is like exactly the ending this movie needs. Um, I'm so glad it doesn't end on like some cheap one-liner or Dutch laughing or smiling as he did in the original script. Like, what, what are you doing? Like, that's that's terrible. Um, I, I'm really glad they ended it like this. I'm not normally someone who likes the bittersweet or the downer ending, but 
like seeing as they kept such realism through the movie. Yeah. For a, I know a sci-fi slasher horror movie with an alien from another world. Uh, I, I felt like they did an awesome job of keeping it really, really grounded and characters relatable and reacting in a realistic way. And this is how someone would react in a realistic way. If their squad was killed off uh, in just the most gruesome, ruthless ways uh, and they survived, but like, part of them definitely died back there that this is exactly the ending for this movie. What, what do you think? Yeah, no, I have to agree. I, I think they could have gone a different direction here. They could have given it like the commando ending with uh, a one liner and sorry, what's that line at the end? I forget. Oh, just bodies, just bodies, just bodies, <laughs> just bodies. But that totally would have broken I feel like that would have undermined the entire previous 30 minutes that we just watched. Yes. You know, like it, it, the one, uh, the thing about predator that makes it so great is that beyond the couple one liners we get in the first half of the film, um, they play it straight, right? This is, this is a preposterous, uh, set up for a movie, you know, guys out in the jungle, they're there to rescue some people and an alien comes down and starts killing them one by one. It's, it would be very easy to be campy with that sort of script, mm-hmm. but it's played very straight. It's played very to the nose. Um, and any reaction other than Dutch being completely exhausted, shell-shocked, PTSD'd um, would, be, um, it would be insulting to the viewer after watching the second half of the movie. So I 100% agree. I, I think this is the way you have to end the film. Uh, I have to also say I really like that they just end it that there's no it's not overly explained we don't get like a title card thing that comes up and says you know 20 years later this happened or they found the alien or whatever um we don't even get like a cut shot back to the predator's body we don't get like a shot of the uh, the spaceship we don't see another spaceship coming in like it just ends and it Mm -hmm. and I think that's the exact right thing to do. Yeah, I agree. Everything you said. Yep, yep, yep. They're, they're yep, not. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, they're not. They're not fooling around with like all the little extra details. It's just we extracted the survivor, and now we fly off. We fly out of the jungle. Uh, to me, most importantly, and I'm sure Dutch <laughs> is feeling all sorts of emotions, but uh, he's only giving us uh, this thousand yard stare. Uh, I listed it as a TV trope, but of course it's not a TV trope. Of course it's a real thing mm-hmm. to have post-traumatic stress disorder associated with being in combat. Um, you always hear it from veterans. And I think up to a point um, in all of Dutch's and his team's adventures or misadventures, I, I can't imagine him being this shaken, this shook, this uh, traumatized, that this is like what really probably keeps him out of combat for the rest of his life. Just looking forward. I know, I know I didn't put in the notes here or anything like that. Talking about like, what does the future hold for, for someone like Dutch? It could just be very well be someone living off of, you know, military pension. I don't know if I have the terminology, right, but Mm -hmm. someone who's just telling survival stories and maybe, maybe teaching, you know, future soldiers how to, how to survive. You know, I mean, this is, I mean, think about this is a game changer. Like, aliens exist like (laughs) right so that's what i was thinking about too like what what happens to this character later like what how does he explain what happened 
do does the military go back later and find the body of the the predator? No, the predator blew himself to bits. Quit bit. Right. So he's left to try to convince everyone that he talks to that he's not the one that killed everybody. Right. <laughs> you <Yes>. know? <laughs> like that's really what's gonna happen. He's gonna mm-hmm. be in a in a courtroom, a military court, trying to explain what happened to all his friends. And he's going to have to make the decision, do I tell the truth or do I try to make up a story that will exonerate me? Mm. Or, you know, when you really start thinking about it, like he's kind of effed. <laughs> he is. He does have Anna Anna there in the chopper with him. Clearly, That's true. I, you're right. I didn't think survivor. about that. She's the other survivor. Yeah. And if you look ahead to like future movies, it's apparent that they kept all that, all this canon that um, – they went through all this and they survived and they shared this with the government and the military mm. and, you know, future people like Gary Busey. <laughs> right. <laughs> and Bill Paxton. Alien. Yeah. A fucking alien. I think uh, one little thing that kind of would have been maybe cool that um, they could have done, they chose not to, which is fine. But mm-hmm. if um, Dutch had somehow retained some sort of artifact, like if maybe we panned down after this thousand yard stare and, and saw that he had one of the predator's weapons or tools or something, I, I could see that being kind of a cool little detailed addition, but um, you know, just a thought. Right. Or like Max skull, right. Just in his lap. Yeah. Oh my God. Wait, no, that might hurt his case. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> He's got all the skulls just dangling from his neck. I didn't he do anything. Little, he has those little skulls that the predator had. Yeah. It wasn't oh, me. It wasn't me. Like skulls. Someone, someone else did these. I just took it from him. He's a bad, he was a bad guy. Not me. Yeah. He's um, an alien. A fucking alien. <laughs> fucking alien. Speaking of bad guys, I'm going to kind of jump around my notes here if that's sure. okay. But speaking yeah. of bad guys, is the Predator like the baddest dude, the baddest antagonist that hmm. Arnold ever faced in his, I'm going to call it a 20 film run of action movies from yeah. uh, starting with Conan the Barbarian and going to Terminator 3. Let's get into it. So I can't it. speak. I can't speak well to either of the Conan movies because I haven't seen them probably since I was like eight years old. Well, I do say in the little wrap-ups and little pluses and minuses, by the way, to give you a little gotcha. hint. But yeah, Barbarian, he kills James Earl Jones, who's like, if I remember correctly, he's like his adopted adoptive father named Doom, who also happens to lead a cult and Arnold has to kill him at the end because he's threatening the life of a princess, I think. And then mm. Conan the Destroyer, he kills a giant, probably fake as... F looking monster played by Andre the Giant. Um, nice. Something kind of goofy, I imagine. I haven't I haven't seen those either, but I did do the recaps. But what, what can I, you speak I, to? I, I think Predator wins out of those two, just from hearing you talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think Good. the Predator's probably a, a, the, a badder bad guy? Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying like compared to like, I mean, talking about- oh, like, All the rest, yeah. Yeah, all the rest. So I think- um, I think, well, uh, I don't want to jump too far ahead. So we, we can go, we can look at these sequentially. Um, the Terminator is a, the thing about the Terminator is he was the bad guy. I'll be back. Yes. Right. So he didn't kill a bad guy. He was the bad guy. So I don't know if that one counts, but I would say the Terminator is up there 
in, mm-hmm. in terms of his evilness because he's just a killing robot machine. That's a good point. Yeah, just calling him the bad guy of that movie, of course. But yeah, yeah, he kills off uh, Kyle Reese. But I mean, I don't, I don't know. Definitely a badder bad guy than in Commando. <laughs> Wait, you don't like Bennett? Let off, Let some, off steam some steam, Bennett? Bennett. Oh, man. Let off some steam, Bennett. Um, fun fact, I've never seen Raw Deal. I have, and it's just him taking on a bunch of mobsters, including <laughs> Robert Davi and Svenoli Torsen, mm. um, as a couple of the lower-level people. So Predator wins that one. Um, yeah. Oh, good call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, then we have Predator, so that's a tie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a tie because it's this movie. It's this movie. Right. Um, we have The Running Man, so he's defeating basically evil corporation, evil uh, game show host, bad guy. Yeah, the, the Family Feud guy. Yeah, the Family Feud guy. Uh, so Predator wins that one. Well, that hit the spot. Yeah, 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 um, yeah definitely. Fun fact, I've also never seen Red Heat. Yeah, that's that's an okay one. I say I say take yourself through Red Heat Raw Deal is like that's a, a good double header for Arnie okay. action over the top. What about Total Recall? Yeah, I mean that's another. It's like a a, a notch above what, Running Man and taking on like basically a corporation like a a planet side or a planet sized corporation. Um, yeah. Like with the main guy, like who are you thinking of the villains? You're thinking of Michael Ironside. Right. Sure. As the dragon. And then you're thinking of Cohagen, who's another family feud host, basically. <laughs> right. Sorry. But they were it's... trying to like exploit the people of Mars uh, to make them pay for air, which is pretty evil. Give these people the air. Give this people air. But I yeah, but I think the problem I have is there's no like singular antagonist I could right. point out. Like, yes, yeah. I, I would agree that that Total Recall, like as a as a whole, like there's there's a lot pushing against him. Um, I, not I, just I, one person. Okay, I'm going to say Predator wins that one. I'm gonna, I have to say Predator wins that one. Okay, so Kindergarten Cop, Predator wins that one. <laughs> Kills like the dad of one of the kids in his kindergarten class. Right. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that's not going to cut it. Now here, here I think is the one that's the the toughest. Yeah, Terminator. last action hero, Charles Dance, <laughs> with a glass eye. <laughs> no, exactly. No, Terminator 2. Mm-hmm. Terminator 2. I, the T-1000 is, uh, is terrifying. Also, will kill indiscriminately. Get out. Um, yes. Also is um, sturdier and uh, much harder to kill than the Predator, I think. Yeah. I think the T-1000... Might win that one. I think. I think the the way I still lean to Predator for this one. I and that's mm. mostly because of who Arnold is in both of these movies. In T two, he is a robot who can essentially just like reboot himself past any quote unquote you know fatal damage. In Predator, you know if if he's rammed through like a tree branch or a giant spear, like he's going to die. He's right. a mere mortal versus. T2, he is absolutely just another robot, but just kind of the lower version of the T1000, the T800. Hmm. So I have to go Predator with, with who Arnold is playing in, in the movies. All right. Agree to disagree. Sure. <laughs> Agree, disagree. <laughs> uh, last action hero. I think the Predator wins. Yeah. Um, true Lies. I think the Predator wins. Yeah, That's like terrorists, it's, right? It's terrorists trying to detonate a nuke in Miami. Hey, Miami connection. Yeah. Yeah. 
But yeah, Predator wins that one. Um, Eraser. James Caan. James Caan. Ooh. You've just been erased. Predator wins. Yeah, Predator wins. Batman and Robin. <laughs> <laughs> Moving <Predator> on. Wins. <laughs> the Iceman cometh. <laughs> End of Days. Um, I have only seen End of Days once, and I don't remember anything about it. Yeah, I, I think... Doesn't he kill the like, devil? So maybe the devil wins that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the devil, yeah, like presents yeah, an opportunity yeah, an opportunity to unseat the predator in this run, but at the same time like there's nothing really memorable that much of end of days in my mind unless yeah. like you're just a huge Gabriel Byrne fan and that's who's representing the devil for most of the movie, so it's like uh, it's still I'm going to put him against the Predator. Sorry, Predator. Or sorry, Deville, but Predator wins this one. Predator wins over the Devil. I like it. Okay. The Sixth Day. Never seen it. I think I saw it once, like you're saying, with End of Days. I don't remember anything about it, but I did write Mm -hmm. that the big final fight is between Arnold and – it's sorry, it's between original Arnold, not clone Arnold, Mm -hmm. uh, and the clone of the bad guy, I think played by Tony Goldwyn, who is the bad guy in Ghost. You should clone yourself while he's still alive. Why's that? So I can understand your unique perspective. No. So you can go fuck yourself. Oh yeah, that guy was smarmy. What a dick. Yeah. What a dick. Predator yeah. still wins. Predator wins. Predator wins. Collateral damage. Collateral damage. Um, I don't remember ever seeing this one. Have I seen collateral damage? I don't know. Elias Coteas is in it, uh, mm. playing a CIA or FBI agent, and he was Casey Jones in the first and third Ninja Turtles. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> wow. Does that clarify? Yeah, totally. Totally. Predator, Predator wins. Uh, Predator wins. Uh, now, if I say the T-1000 and T-2, I kind of have to also say the bad Terminator from Terminator 3. Do so, you, okay, who who in Terminator Three did the bad Terminator kill? Ah, uh, oh well, did they? I don't know. Did they? I I can't think of any main characters. It was just mostly like everyone in the background, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> All the people on the road during that car chase scene. I think you have to keep that in mind. It's like think about the T one thousand. Who did the T one thousand kill? Mm-hmm. It killed Vasquez, I know, but. Well, the T-1000, yeah, killed John Connor's uh, adoptive parents. Right. Predator kills Billy. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Carl Weathers. Shane Black. I'm just thinking of it as like as as if if I had to choose to fight one of them, which one would I want to fight? And I I think I choose the the mortal being over the machine. Yeah, I suppose. Hmm. And I, I'm more scared of Arnold and the Terminator than T-1000. I'm, I'm sorry. I, th- I think they yeah. just didn't show T-1000 wreaking the kind of damage people remember it wreaking. Like, yeah. if you look at the T-1000's kill count and then compare it to like Arnold's kill count and the Terminator, I, I think for me, part of this ranking, uh, so I can justify selecting the Predator every time. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> is, is, is also including like what they're doing on screen and, and the Predator and the movie Predator is, is absolutely just wasting the bad guys just one yeah. at a time. Well, that, to that, be fair, cool. yeah. to be fair, Dutch kills more people in the Predator than the Predator kills in the Predator. 
Oh, absolutely. So <laughs> it's a, it's another toss up, right? Like maybe Dutch is, maybe Dutch is the one. <laughs> Dutch is the villain. He's the biggest bad he's, he's ever run into. He just looks yeah. in the mirror. Hey, it's me. We solved it. It's Dutch. <laughs> yeah, it's Dutch. Oh, uh, that was fun. That was fun. Yeah, yeah this, this is kind of our jumbo sized penultimate episode. So I figured. Sure. Can, can we also talk endings of, of some of these movies? I, I know it's like, yeah, you're yeah. usually hitting your like quitting time for this, but I want to. No, 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 I'm good to go. Like, I, I put this list together, and it, it's nice that we could use this list to talk about the villains, um, which is really, really cool. So thank you for that villainous breakdown. Oh, yeah, that was fun. A brand new segment on the show, which is ending. Introduce <laughs> <laughs> all these new segments. Villainous breakdown. <laughs> ha ha. The um, one and only segment <laughs> it was new for one one day um so you're is, saying that this is a, a kind of a trope style ending the bittersweet ending yeah absolutely the bittersweet ending because um when i see arnold as defeating the bad guy do you feel victorious when he does it when you're seeing his face on the chopper to me no way like mm-hmm. he's looking like he's forever going to be living with the horror the horror uh, the that horror. he saw Horror. And I wrote some other examples from the TV tropes, um, some funnier ones like 51st Dates, definitely a downer ending when you consider the fact that Drew Barrymore still has no uh, short term or long term memory. I forgot. I forgot. Like, really, I, I did forget. But uh, and so you're like, oh, she has to be reminded literally every single day with Adam Sandler that he's her husband oh my god um but like donnie darko like we talked about another bittersweet or downer ending mm-hmm. downsizing i would say i remember seeing that movie in theaters with mike fleming and being like oh this is i feel so bad watching this oh man i never saw that one um gosh there's probably some more like more i don't know analogs to predators such as what do we have Gosh, what else from my list? Like I am legend. Well, no, I mean, it's, it's hard to find. It's hard for me to find a a good comparison where the good guy lives, has defeated the bad guy. Absolutely. But has like lost just about everything. I'm sure there's tons of movies out there that I'm not thinking of right now, but. uh, Well, you you got some, some good examples on this list that I think are close. Yeah. Um, You know, like Braveheart. It's kind of a downer ending like he yeah dies but he there. dies right i mean yeah i'm trying to think yeah. of like what's another movie where the person i guess first blood i think i, I think blood i was thinking about one. first blood yeah. a lot today when i was thinking about this ending and i was really building that connection like like he absolutely right defeated his antagonist in that movie but there's no way like he feels like that was a victory right right that's a good that's a good example um the thing is is a good example True. Because at the end of that movie, they have probably defeated the thing, right? But everyone else is dead, and it's just uh, Kurt Russell and one other guy, and uh, and they're just stuck in the Arct in the Antarctic, mm-hmm. um, and they they are looking at each other like, "Are you the thing?" And um, yeah, that's a downer ending because the, the movie just ends right there and you just assume that they both eventually die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Why don't we just wait here for a little while? See what happens. 
uh, the Terminator. I mean, we mentioned yeah. the Terminator a lot, but the first one definitely has that ending where you know that terrible future is coming, and Linda Hamilton is even giving some stares at the end of uh, that movie. She lived, but like she lost like like this time travel love from the future. Um, right. Right. Um, Castaway is an interesting one because there's no real bad guy in that movie, but he it's a happy ending in that he survives. But when he gets back to his previous life, he realizes that his previous life is really no more and he's mm-hmm. having to start over again. So yeah, that, he literally stands at the crossroads. I, right. I think I've seen yes. that movie all the way through one time. And mm. that was a really powerful moment um, of that movie. When right. You realize he's just feeling lost. Like he doesn't, he doesn't know what to do now. Yeah. You've only seen that one one time you said. Yeah. I saw that in theater and it was very mm. exciting, but it was like, it's such like a, I don't know. Like the whole thing is just such an epic in itself. Um, yeah. It's, it's a good it's one. Kind it, of draining. You and Sarah might like watching that one again. We, my wife okay. and I watched it like I want to say my a year wife. or two ago, and my wife, my and wife. Uh, it held up. I thought it was really good. Uh, and who did the music? Of course, it's a Zemeckis film. Ah, uh, we get some. Uh, oh shit! I just blanked. <laughs> <laughs> we get some uh, that guy, Alan Sylvester. Alan Sylvester, you nailed <laughs> yeah. it! Ding ding, ding ding. Exactly. I, I fail. <laughs> but okay okay so talking about this let's let's convert this back to that whole list i made of the uh, and i try to short hand the list by putting pluses and minus and the plus slash minus uh yeah. to the endings of the different action movies by arnold like i said starting with barbarian ending and terminator 3 uh cutting out any like you know comedies yeah because that's not really what we're looking at that's not why we're here um, but I had to say, like, okay, what are what, what was there another bittersweet Arnold ending in his action run? And I could find mixed endings, yeah, but I couldn't find a true downer ending like Predator. I don't know what you thought. No, I have to agree. Uh, the ones that you kind of highlighted were like the Terminator. Um, you know, they defeat the Terminator, but you know, the Skynet is still going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the closest one. Now that I think about that's the closest one to being a, a negative. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think they know that they, they haven't really changed the future there. Mm -hmm. Um, You mentioned total recall, which has a very ambiguous ending. um, Cause it's never, I love that movie uh, for this Mm -hmm. reason, but it's never really truly revealed if it's all a dream or not. And uh, so if it is all a dream, then, well, that sucks. And if it's real, then uh, I don't know. You what? You made an atmosphere on Mars, I guess. Right, and threw everything, <laughs> society into chaos. Yeah. So, yeah. Let's make um, it. <laughs> Terminator Two. Uh, you know, they Terminator Two ends, and you think you you've defeated the T one thousand, but we had to watch Arnold die also. Mm-hmm. Um. And again, in those Terminator movies, they, they never really shut the door on Skynet still happening in the future. So, right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what else, what, what do you, I, cause I, most of these other movies have the so-called happy ending. Right. I was writing a little green plus symbol next to the ones where 
he lives, he's defeated the bad guys, yeah. and he's more or less happy at the end. And that's most of the movies. I, I listed 14 of the 20 as having that style of ending. Yeah. Um, and, and I guess like mixed and then really the one negative, I would probably move the Terminator though to like uh, another negative, mm. honestly. But the yeah. thing is, is he's not the protagonist in that movie. Right. And I, I can't speak too much to end of days cause I, I don't remember anything of that movie, but it sounds like it has kind of a mixed ending. And then yeah, where he sacrifices himself because the devil possesses him and he has to sacrifice himself. But you see him going to the afterlife. So to see his uh, deceased family's deceased wife and daughter. Hmm. So I, because they show that I was kind of like nudging that to the mixed versus the pure negative. If he just dies and like, that's it, there's no vision. Right. Then I think that's a really negative ending. Hmm. And then Terminator three kind of falls in the same <laughs> camp as Terminator two. Right. Yeah, I think yeah. more so than one, just because I don't know, it just doesn't deliver on what like the first Terminator did, which I think it's trying really hard to do to mix Terminator one and two, but I don't think it does a good job of it. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. Well, what's next? We do Gosh, the second uh, half of the the minute or the second ooh, last ooh, eight couple, seconds of the minute. Last things, as we're talking about the last right, the last moments for credits roll. Yeah. Um when you see Dutch in the chopper. So this question came up to me. I don't think I listed this, but when Anna, Anna and general Phillips are in the chopper looking at Dutch, has Dutch already come into the chopper? I think I have like three things left and this is like mm. the last, like when the camera pans, right? The camera cuts from Dutch to general Phillips wearing the weird hat. Yeah. To Anna, Anna with the tear rolling down her face is he in the chopper now? Is the chopper moving or is it they looking at him before he hops in the chopper? I, I always interpreted that to meaning that they're just kind of staring at him sort of in disbelief about what he must have just gone through. Right. Um, so that's what I always took it as that he is in the chopper in that moment with those two. Yeah. So okay. that's my, that's my interpretation. Okay. Yeah. I, I think I go with that also with the, um, knowledge that when we cut to Dutch, the chopper's in motion, he's yeah. already sitting in the chopper and it kind of makes sense that they're all in that living space. Like you okay. mentioned, you kind of, they push past that green screen outside the chopper pretty quick, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think this is the age of blue screen. If I remember correctly, I don't think they're uh, even on the green screen yet, but yeah, they, they push in quickly. It's a big reason why the chopper doors were closed in minute seven. I think the first minute you were on seven or nine mm, were yeah. in the chopper the first time at night and they are not showing outside of the chopper because they're not really moving. Right. Um, but I don't know. Like the, if that's, if that's blue or green screen, it's, it looks actually really good compared to what they showed earlier on when they were starting to repel out of the. Yeah, it's, it's fine. I wouldn't have even noticed it unless you mentioned something about it because it goes by pretty quick. But um, when you focus on it, you can see. But yeah, it looks fine. It's totally fine. It's yeah. fine. Uh, it's fine. Second to last point, um, I'll go with the music that's carrying over from last minute is also the music that Mac... 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 Mac! Uh, Barry's Blaine to. That is the track Goodbye. Carrie, uh, it's... I think I told the story last minute, but just to summarize uh, the temp track over that scene. And I probably, this scene uh, was the uh, fanfare for the common man, this uh, ages old orchestral piece to honor fallen soldiers. 
And Alan Silvestri, while he was composing for this movie, I guess really earwormed it so so much that he just wrote a song called Goodbye, which sounds a lot like a, mm-hmm. the fanfare for the common man. And they jokingly call it. McTiernan t- points it out in his commentary, and I'll talk about his commentary a little bit later too. There's a couple things, but he calls it the fanfare for the common mercenary, which <laughs> right, these guys are a group of mercenaries. Right. I like that, that he liked it so much he just essentially ripped it off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I think it really delivers here in this last moment. I like, agree. Yeah. It's cool to hear the same kind of song used for totally, not, yeah, I mean, similar but totally different purposes. Like, they're both both times it's being used in the film, you are saying goodbye, uh, but the first time it's just to one person, Blaine. 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 Um, I ain't got time to bleed, Blaine. I ain't got time to bleed. I uh, got time to duck. Da, da, da. Uh, but now it's him you know, silently saying goodbye, wordlessly saying goodbye to his team and probably his past life, to be honest. There's, there's a lot he's saying uh, goodbye to yeah. in this moment. And, and it's all wrapped up in his face and his just staring off into space, that thousand yard stare like we talked about. Yeah, he's beat up in this shot. Like just covered in gunk, blood, um, just caked in mud. Like just looks like he, I mean, it looks like he's been awake for 24 hours fighting an alien. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. In the jungle. Yeah. In the jungle. Yeah. And Anna, Anna even has, you know, a tear rolling down her face. I don't know why, but maybe she's just empathizing with Dutch. <laughs> I, I thought- losing his whole team because you know, she lost her whole team earlier in this movie. <laughs> right. Hands of touch. <laughs> right. I, it does look like a tear because it is coming directly down from her eye, it looks like. But it also maybe looked like it was sweat, but I do think it is supposed to be a tear. Sure. Oh, I mean, she, she spends most of the movie just constantly sweaty and dirty and bloody, so yeah. it could just be leftover sweat. Uh, the, okay, the last thing I'll mention from this live part, although maybe the last thing should be the should be the script difference i don't know i don't know that actually okay I'm, I'm i'm gonna we're gonna just supersize this a little bit more if that's okay sure just do it okay i'm gonna i'm gonna go the franco note and then the commentary and then the script difference and then we'll okay. move to part two of the minute this is your supersized edition of predator minute uh franco colombo makes an appearance here uh, i learned at the last minute when i was looking through the imdb cast list I'm trying to find out who's the guy who says holy shit it's not franco colombo it's some other guy who's uncredited and i don't know looking up the list uh, but franco colombo sounds so weird to say that uh was arnold's best friend is like lifelong friend who sadly passed away i believe earlier this year he was he was oh no, it was last year. It was the end of last year, August thirtieth, twenty nineteen. But he and Arnold were competitive bodybuilders, and they were like trading off being Mister Olympia for a few years. Uh, and uh, according to the Wikipedia for Franco Colombo, he was best friends with Arnold since nineteen sixty five, all the way through his death. So that's was that fifty four years. Uh, just wow, hanging out, just bodybuilding. Um, exploring other, you know, fun hobbies and sports together uh, all the time on Arnold's channel. He would post himself and Franco hanging out, like just biking around on, you know, the boardwalk in LA. Do you think um, he was in uh, Schwarzenegger's cabinet when he was governor? <laughs> <laughs> Franco, 
Get me a cup of coffee. <laughs> Teach the kids how to do some pull-ups. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Uh, and as with as the case with most Arnold friends, he was in four different Arnold movies. He was in The Running Man. He was in this movie. You see him right here at second, uh, what, third, no, second 14, 14 15. 16. You just see He's, the top of his head, his black hair right there. Just see his black-haired head. And his shiny facing. forehead. Yeah, I don't know why he's not looking at Arnold. Maybe like not he's not tending to him. Uh, the script would point out that the medic tries to approach Dutch and is not, and Dutch is not letting anybody come close to him. So maybe that's something they cut out there. But he is very much in this shot. I never, ever, ever noticed this until just watching this minute. Um, gosh, hmm. like not that long ago with you and saying that's him. It credits <laughs> him in the, in the IMDB as uncredited, but he's right there as the army medic. There's a still shot. I posted to the predator minute listeners. Palapa. Ah, ah, ah. Target's the center of the Palapa. <laughs> um, you know, uh, yesterday <laughs> uh, on December 9th. Um, and I said, that's him. And that picture on the Facebook group page is almost exactly this shot as it pans from Phillips to Anna Anna and Franco is facing the other way. But I would say his most known role, um, I mentioned him being in Running Man Predator. He was also in Conan the Barbarian. But his most known role to me is in The Terminator when Reese is having his kind of future flashback, if that makes sense, to yeah. a time when a Terminator infiltrates the human base and you think it's just a normal dude, but it's like him explaining that the T-800 had very human-like effects. And Franco's Terminator character pulls out like the Gatling laser gun, like kind of like a mini gun. He's tearing it up and like causes a few explosions. One of which starts burning Kyle Reese's picture of uh, Sarah Connor. Right. Oh, interesting. Nice. Deep dive. Deep dive. Yeah. Just, it was really fun to like (laughs) have a little, another deep dive related to the cast, which we haven't had in forever. Yeah, for sure. Someone new. But yeah. um, Okay, now I'm on to my second to last note. Second to last note, McTiernan and the McCommentary is just yammering up a storm now, just loving life. He must be, he's like, "Ah, I'm at the end of the movie. I can start talking a whole bunch. Uh, He talks about the landscape. Last minute, we were talking about like, where did they find this landscape? Is this some like, did they go burn landscape? And he says, no, we didn't. He says, we didn't burn this. We went and found a location that had been burned two or three years before. Oh, this is still in Mexico. Right. They cleared out some of the bushes. They it's spray paint the a lot of deforestation. Yeah. So some, uh, some local uh, Mexican folk had apparently deforested a mountainside or two. And that's where they filmed this. Uh, they spray paint a lot of things black. He said, he mm. said, we didn't have to burn anything because the locals are a lot better at burning holes and things than we are. The crew didn't have to burn anything. That's great. Oh man. So uh, good job on them finding this location because it looks devastated. Yeah, it really does. It looks like a nuke went off. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It looks like a nuke went off, like in his dream that he shared. Um, the last thing I'll leave our live action here before we roll to credits is the script difference. The script difference is all sorts of bad where they're still really trying to push this idea of the good and the bad guy not being so different where in fact, this chopper is landing to rescue Dutch presumably, but they can't see him very well through the smoke. They even draw their weapons on him and they're about Mm. to fire on him. 
when Billy, who's the other survivor in the chopper, instead of Anna Anna, yells, mm. no, so that they don't shoot Dutch. And it ends pretty, after that, it ends pretty much the same as the movie with Dutch staring blankly ahead. But the big differences are that Dutch and Billy share a handshake and they're like kind of nodding at each other. And Dutch actually smiles as the chopper is flying off, which no. I think is totally dumb. There's a lot in the ending that I'm really glad they fixed and made it just this traumatic smoke filled ash covered bloodied stare into empty space yeah the, you're as i mentioned before like something like that would have would have ruined the whole tone of this last scene and so mm-hmm. i'm really glad they didn't go with some sort of kind of goofy or 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 even just trying to to show that that dutch is just fine like he's not just fine. <laughs> no, <laughs> he's just no. been through hell. Like he's not smiling about anything. So that that was a good choice. Good choice. Yeah, yeah, really good choice. And yeah, there, there, there's there's a lot of good stuff in that script. But I'm glad that uh, McTiernan and the rest of the creative team really cut down on a lot of the unnecessary fat and really made this movie the lean, really 102 and a half minutes, almost 103 minute long. Uh, romp that it is yeah 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 but we're, we're, we're turning the page musically and scenically so what happens in this second part of the minute jeff all right so we're gonna hit uh credits here and for all the listeners out there the next episode will be our final episode of this uh project and so um we have uh some ideas in store for what to do but we'll be covering all the credits uh, along with just some fun, you know, celebratory stuff uh, to kind of cap off um, this uh, really fun project that we embarked on two and a half years ago. Jeez, um, yeah. yeah. So uh, let's let's do it. The last eight seconds of this minute, the movie fades to black for a few seconds before we see the text and the man Poncho slash our boy Richard Chavez. He looks at the camera and winks, and then we cut to someone reading a Sergeant Rock comic book. And end of minute. Yeah. Now we're going to get into this a lot more, and maybe we'll save most of our conversation about this until next uh, our last episode. But um, speaking of, you know, we just talked about how the end of this movie is so somber, and there's going to be a very striking tone shift as we go into these credits, isn't there? Yes. <laughs> and for some reason, I it doesn't bother me. And we'll, like I said, we'll talk about it more next time. And I'm not sure what that is because we just talked endlessly about how the dark ending of this movie is the right one. Um, <laughs> but I, I also just love this choice heading into yeah. these credits. I love and, it. <laughs> and so, yeah. And so we just get a little taste here with Chavez as he kind of winks into the camera. And this will be a theme as we um, see all of our characters one more time before the uh, black screen credits roll. Yeah. I'll have plenty to talk about when we talk about these kind of taking a bow style credits right, uh, next right. minute. It's a good way to put Peter it. Tiernan actually is backing this up with some more, um, some more commentary. Oh, nice. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I really like it too. It's, it's fun. It reminds you, Oh, this is a movie. These are the players. Yeah. They're killed off. And now like, Oh, I'm seeing them again. This is, this is kind of fun. It's, it's, it's bittersweet. Yes. And these characters are gone, but like, I really enjoyed these characters and um, yeah. I'll probably even save like the Richard Chavez, Poncho Ponchito talk for next minute, just to kind of encapsulate all that. 
right. into well, one minute. So I'm not saying like, oh, okay, we'll talk about this one character and we'll talk about all other six main characters. Yeah, or no, seven we'll, main characters for this. Yeah, we'll we'll get into it. it it's much more appropriate to kind of do it all as one uh, fail swoop uh, next minute. But uh, the way you put that, the taking a bow ending, I think is a really good way to describe it and um, does just kind of, even with this dark ending, this, this movie is fun and um, it's nice to have a little piece of that to send us off. So yeah, um, we will get into it a lot more listeners. uh, Don't you worry, but uh, we, we just get a little taste with uh, one of my favorite characters, uh, Poncho, Ponchito as we so lovingly call him um, before we end this minute. We have nothing. Yeah. And yeah. then someone reading a Sergeant Rock comic book. I'll talk about that too. I mentioned that God, a long time ago when we were first talking, I think minute one or two with the yeah. opening credits and talking about Shane Black and this concept of Sergeant Rock being turned into a movie starring Arnold. <laughs> that all can wait till tomorrow as well, but sure. Or tomorrow, next week, next yeah. minute. <laughs> um, but I think I think the last thing I'll leave off with the the credits here is as the chopper is flying off, they start playing the Predator main theme. The and that, yeah. that might be how I end this minute. Actually, in the recording, I might actually just put the original because for the longest time we've been using bumper music that Chaosware K A O S W A R E uh, so graciously allowed me to put as the opening and closing mm-hmm. was a heavy metal cover. That's what that that is playing as a, as a YouTuber who plays the electric guitar and mm-hmm. has an awesome music video where he plays this main theme and he somehow uses some kind of computer effects to camouflage the guitars he's playing it. Really neat stuff, Chaosware. So thank you um, again for letting us use your music. But yeah, this main theme, as I've always said throughout this whole movie, that da, 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 this to me is the theme for Dutch's team. I don't think the Predator has a very solid theme himself in this movie. Every time he appears, there's we've talked about it here and there about it being kind of like uh, just kind of like rising tense music for the Predator. You know, his sound effects obviously play a big role. Yeah, I was going to uh, say that's really what we associate, right? Is the clicking, yeah. the, the drums are are kind of the thing that that really is sort of the predator's music. Yes. Um, but then and the clicking and the uh, that iconic sound the whoosh, yes. that we get when we switch into uh, predator vision. So th- those are the things I think that we really um, think about. Uh, right when we think about the auditory side of the predator's character yep yeah i, th- yeah. I think the last time we heard the predator main theme was all the way back in the gorilla camp attack i think it really kicks in if i remember where jesse ventura is kicking down just a shabbily constructed door and gunning down <laughs> with old painless a bunch of gorillas <laughs> i think it plays a little bit there if i remember nice yeah well we need a, uh, is it time to, uh, I think we, we really did it on this one. <laughs> I think, I think we did. I think we, we done, we done, we done good. Done, 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 done. I think we did it. <laughs> uh, one Oh three. Shall we recommend? We shall let the recommendations commence for the second to last time. 
All right. Cool. My recommendation is um, not timely because uh, <laughs> I tend to do that occasionally. But um, as I've mentioned, um, I enjoy playing video games. I would not characterize myself as a gamer per se. I'm, I'm more of a casual, um, yes. if you want to call me that. And so for that reason, I rarely ever play games when they're brand new. I, I tend to wait and kind of find out what the general consensus is or wait till they're a little bit cheaper before I you know, spend $60 on something that I don't know if it's really worth spending the money on. But um, I have an Xbox One. I don't have the Series X uh, yet, but I have an Xbox One and I also subscribe to Game Pass, which is like uh, Netflix for games. It's a Microsoft subscription where you pay a monthly fee and you get access to hundreds of games that you can uh, play as much or as little as you want, which is really kind of cool. And um, recently... Um, the gaming company EA just dropped a whole shitload of their games onto Game Pass um, and has expanded that library significantly. Um, and one of those games is Star Wars Battlefront 2. <gasps> Star Wars! Yeah, I thought you'd like this one, which I had yes. never played before. I'm sure there's a bunch of people out there being like, well, yeah, duh, that game's fucking awesome, you idiot. And, Are you uh, saying the new Star Wars Battlefront 2 or the old one? Uh, this one came out in 2007, or excuse me, 2017. Oh, okay. I, I, I never played the newer ones. I only played the older ones. It's really, really fun. So I, I like uh, first-person shooters, and this one is really neat because you can, at the switch of a button, you can flip between third-person mode and first-person mode. So you can kind of do whatever style suits you, or if it makes more sense on a level to do one or the other, you can. And nice. uh, what I thought was really neat is I, I'm only... I've only been playing it for a few days now, but the story is really cool. And you start out as an Imperial soldier and you're playing uh, as an Imperial soldier and you're, you're killing rebel scum, um, which feels super <laughs> weird to be playing a character on that side and shooting all the rebels. Um, and then throughout the game, which I didn't realize until I got further, you switch characters at different times. And uh, for different parts of the story, you play different characters. And so I was playing and playing and playing as this Imperial soldier. And all of a sudden, um, I got to a new level and I switched. And I was Luke Skywalker with a lightsaber. Oh. And I, I got to play as him. And that was really cool because the gameplay kind of changed. I was now playing with a lightsaber rather than a gun. Um, and... Uh, it's a really beautiful game to look at. There's combat's all different. There's uh, combat levels where you're outside going through jungle or exploring terrain on different planets. There's combat where you're inside buildings and infiltrating buildings, um, looking for, you know, you have a mission to find some object. Um, and then there's also missions where you're up in a TIE fighter flying around space and uh, getting into TIE fighter battles with other aircraft. And um, yeah, so maybe you have not played Battlefront 2 like me. Maybe you have an Xbox One with a Game Pass subscription. You can now play that game essentially for free. And I uh, highly recommend it. I've been having a blast with it. So Star Wars Battlefront 2 from 2017 is my recommend. Wow, cool. I, I love you're into the Star Wars games. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I played the heck out of the original first two. And it sounds like a lot of those characteristics carried over with mm. but not where you're switching characters and sides uh mid uh mid campaign but i love that it has a sounds like it has a really strong first per, per that single player campaign i'm all about 
Single player campaigns. Yeah, that's what I like to play. I usually play by myself, so that's I like to find games that have a really good single player campaign. And uh, so far, I've been I've been enjoying this one a lot. So awesome. Yeah. Um, well, I had a, I had a couple of uh, recommends. I was going to go with a game and a podcast. Uh, I'll go with the game first. Uh, the game Hades. I think I told you maybe once. Yeah, or twice you about mentioned it. this. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been out on PC for a while. Uh, I think it might be on some other platforms. It's definitely on the Switch. That's where I, I first started playing it. And then I just played the heck out of it on Switch. And I, then I really wanted to see what I could do with the trainer, which is like your little cheat code window that you can open up on a PC, like early only on PC games. So I bought it for PC and I'm putting like even more time into the game with the trainer playing with that with like battle, you know, damage multipliers and god mode and hmm. uh, coins but uh, the idea with Hades is it's this isometric top down well isometric top down so it's kind of like that three quarters perspective look down yeah. uh, on like a one room at a time as you battle your way out of uh, the underworld and you play this guy Zagreus and he is the son of Hades and all along the way as you're battling your way room to room out of the underworld is really diving into Greek mythology in a neat way just like hmm. you have the gods and goddesses helping you you're fighting different monsters from Greek mythology I think just about everything is taken from Greek mythology um, in that game except for one of the weapons is a gun but we're not don't, don't focus too much on that as <laughs> as, as, a, as a negative um, it's in fact a positive but you, you have the choice of six different weapons and as you battle your way out like successfully like time after time um, you learn more about Zagreus's backstory and like the conflicts between the gods of Olympus and the Chthonic gods I think is the name of it of the gods uh, and deities who reside in the underworld mm. um, and uh, the style of game is called a roguelike or a roguelite depending on who you ask and that means that every time you play through it's going to be completely different than the last time you played through. oh that's played cool through. so I call it roguelite, not necessarily roguelike. When I hear roguelike, I think, oh, like every room is like completely different configuration every time you play it through. That's not the case. Like there's a set amount of rooms they choose from in the pool to say, you're going to battle through this room, this room, this room, but you're going to see those rooms after you play through a few times uh, repeated, but just out of order and like the gifts that the gods and goddesses give you change every time. Uh, but strong recommend. I've been playing that quite a bit. That's Hades. Nice for Switch for PC and probably some other things. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, that sounds fun. Yeah, way fun. And I, I've been listening to a newish podcast for me called The Canon. Canon. I think I mentioned this one to you. Yeah, so, yeah. I haven't well, listened to any of them yet, but you. Uh, I didn't my recommend interest. this last week, did I? No, I, we just talked about it. I think. Okay. Maybe before um, before we even recorded off pod. Off pod, as we call. Um, but this is, I'll just give you the tagline, Canon Canon. The first Canon is like the production company, Canon, hmm. like as in Canon Films or the Canon Group. Uh, and then the second Canon is like canonical, like C-A-N-O-N, like this is their story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's two comedians, Frank Garcia Heil and Jeff Garlock, uh, go through the Canon of films created by one of the best production companies of the 80s the canon films group and they do just an awesome job of um, laughing and joking and really like reflecting on the times as well uh, and the backstory of all these movies as they're being produced by canon uh, you and i 
uh, just guest starred on the VHS Strikes Back uh, with Chris and Dave, uh, former guests of the show. We guested on their show. We were talking yeah, about a super fun, well-known canon film called Ninja 3, The Domination. And that kind of led me down learning more about canon films. And in fact, um, subscribing to this podcast, The Canon Canon. I think the guys do a great job of just providing, like I said, kind of like a, a moment in time of when this movie came out what kind of behind the scenes things were happening. I was just listening to uh, the back-to-back episodes, for me at least, of Missing in Action 2, colon, the beginning, and Missing in Action. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, But if you listen to that as a two-parter, that is way, way fun. And they're talking all about Chuck Norris making like a million dollars on the Missing in Action 2, (laughs) which had a budget of, you know, 1.6 million, including (laughs) his his paycheck. Um, But also they do a lot of comparing of those two movies and um, talking about like the squeezed time crunch that they're in for the second one. I keep saying like, I want to say at the beginning, but that's the second one, uh, Missing in Action 2, which apparently, fun fact, was being produced and released right. all within the window of, re- of realizing that there's going to be a Rambo 2 first blood and they really wanted to sneak in a, their own sequel and so they shot these concurrently and then <laughs> released them very close to each other. That's amazing. That sounds really great. I love um, podcasts or, or really any sort of uh, medium like that that kind of dives into not just like having fun and analyzing the movie but talking about its place in time and production history and uh, kind of what events transpired to make this film happen. So that sounds really interesting. I'm going to have to give it a listen. Yeah. And I, yeah, I would, I, I can't say enough about the guys, Jeff. And of course, one of their names is Jeff. So, you know, it's <laughs> well, going to be good. It must be great. Yeah. But it is spelled G E O F F. Oh, he spelled it wrong. Damn. Yeah. I knew you were going to I'd probably agree with that. But uh, funny, guys, um, the very first episode I actually listened to was not a canon film, but they, I think they call it, they categorize it as could have been a canon. They talk about Halloween 3 season of The Witch. Oh, sure. Yeah, that that does seem like it should be a canon film. Like it's along the lines of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Yeah. And in, in it that it was very, very different than the previous films in that Right, there's Film no Robert mention of uh, Mike, Michael or Mike Myers. Mike, Michael Myers, yeah, Mike, yeah, Michael Myers. No mention of him. It's a, it's a completely different story. the The idea that John Carpenter had for that was that he wanted to continue making Halloween films, but more in an anthology style. So every Halloween movie would be a completely new story that took place around Halloween, uh, just some other horror story, which I think would have actually been a very cool thing if they had gone through with it but fans were so pissed off that Halloween 3 came out and they went to the theater to see it and there was no Michael Myers that uh, they revolted the movie tanked and then a couple years later they went back to the old formula with Halloween 4 oh yeah I see true story true story well uh, speaking of going back to formula Jeff where can people find you well done Uh, (laughs) you can find me on the Twitter I am Jeff Glover, Carl underscore Hungus314. Come follow me there. My name is Carl, you should be an expert. On the Twitter sphere, 
Uh, John, where can we find all things Predator Minute? Yeah, thank you. Oh, and yeah, I was working on that segue, by the way. I was, I was also thinking I could say something like, speaking of podcast host named Jeff. <laughs> oh, that's that, kind of, there you go. Yeah, yeah that's all right. I, I'd like the Halloween one a little bit better. But um, <laughs> yeah, thanks, Jeff. Thanks for throwing it my way. Uh, you can find Predator Minute on Twitter, at Predator Minute. Uh, you can email the show, PredatorMinute at gmail.com, or you can join the... Uh, always robust, always commenting. Facebook group, the Predator Minute listeners, Palapa. Palapa. Target's the center of the 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 Palapa. Oh, so good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss regularly uh, saying things that popped up there. I don't know that anything recently has popped up on the Predator Minute listeners, Palapa. Um other than me just pointing out <laughs> things like, oh, there's Franco Colombo. Um, I'm just going to browse really fast. Anybody else pop, post anything else? No, it's been a while since Cindy. It's been a while. Wow. Yeah, 2002, 2001, 2001, I think. Uh, but yeah, it's been a while since anybody else posted anything other than what I'm posting. But feel free to, to drop a comment, maybe throw in uh, a favorite memory that you've had of Predator or Predator Minute. I can't guarantee it's going to make it into, well, I guess it wouldn't. Well, no, it's not. <laughs> Depends <laughs> on when this comes out. If this is right. kind of overlapping, I'd have to be really fast with this turnaround Yeah, yeah. Um, before we record next. But no, it's it's it's, uh, it's a good place to, to go and share some thoughts about Predator or Predator Minute. And yeah, we'd love to hear from you. But for all things Predator Minute, I'm John Zabriskie. And I am Jeff Glover. And until next time, the last time... The last time, stick around. Stick around. Stick around. Stick around. Holy shit. Holy shit. Oh, and the last line in the movie is General Phillips, I believe, saying, My God. My God. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, right here. Just go. overall movies that are like my top movies. Yeah, like like regardless of genre. Oh man, um, you know I've never actually sat down and tried to like compose it. Sure. Um, I, I've I always when people ask me what's my favorite movie, um, I, and you know this, I, I tend to fall back on the thing because um, it just encompasses so many qualities of a movie that I love. Um, you know, like pract- amazing practical special effects. Uh, it's a horror movie. Uh, Kurt Russell, you know. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I have other movies that I love um, because of certain times in my life that I've seen them. You know, like um, I would say, like I know this is a, kind of a weird one, but I've talked about it before with you, but fear and loathing in Las Vegas is one of my favorite movies. Mm. Um, there's a period of time in my life when I watched that movie a lot and I, I just, I think it's bonkers and I love it for that reason. Right. Um, and then like, like I said, it's hard. Cause like I tend to think in categories. So then like, I feel like I need to bring something in from all these categories into my top five. Right. Mm-hmm. So then I think about comedies. Well, one of my favorite comedies of all time is, is, um, 
is uh, uh, oh, sorry, I'm just it's one of my favorite comedies, and I can't remember the title. Um, Big The Big Lebowski. <laughs> oh, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is one of my favorite movies. I think The Big Lebowski might be one of the greatest comedies of all time. Um, and it's one of my favorites. So I don't know. I, I'd have to sit down and really like think about it if I'm going to come up with a true top five, but um, yeah, those, those would definitely be in there for sure. Sure. Okay. Nice. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> mm. Mm. Um, you got some recommends lined up? Yeah, I have a couple. Um, yeah. Oh, Ready. can you hear my children crying? Yeah, I, I hear them. I hear them. Yeah. They don't like bedtime, apparently. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I can't imagine who would like bedtime. Mm. I don't even like bedtime. Like, oh, stay <laughs> right. Up. <laughs> stay up late. <laughs> how's uh, how's teaching going? Uh, teaching is pretty good. It has some. Hey, look! Predator minute followed me back. Look at that. That's exciting. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, I think I'm up to like. 10. There's like all these people now. I'm like, oh yeah, that, I definitely follow that person. Definitely follow that person. <laughs> I definitely follow. I think I'm back up to five following. Yeah, that's good uh, for now. Um, but yeah, teaching is good. It has its moments like uh, today when I was like, okay, I'm going to check in with the people who aren't done with the project yet. As soon as I see any of the breakout rooms, please do not leave the Zoom call. <laughs> I, go right. to, I go to like the one breakout room where it's like all people who haven't finished the projects. It wasn't that many people, but like half of them had left and so they're like they did not want my undivided attention oh you can't so, tell them you have to ambush them i know that's what i'm gonna do tomorrow i'm just gonna like put me here by you're gonna go to the breakout rooms or work on the project or the study guide I'm just gonna dump all the non-finished project people into one group and be like okay and really try to zero in i have to like really pick you know pick them apart like okay who's the Who's the one who's going to escape first if I don't ask yeah. them? You, so, okay. So last, uh, last Friday night at like 8 p.m., we mm-hmm. got a, a email from our principal. Um, ba- basically, the gist of it was like, our, our primary goal right now is to take care of our kids, is to get them through school, blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> and, and he was like, you have full permission to slow down your pace to cancel a zoom class. If you want, and just schedule one-on-ones with students who are struggling, you have permission to cut out material. You have like, basically what I think is happening is we're getting close to the end of the semester, which is like late January. Mm. And I think the counseling department and as a result, the administration is getting bombarded with, notices and emails and parents and teachers that are like saying these kids aren't doing shit, you know? No and, kidding. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. And uh, so I think it's a reaction to that. So uh, my, my classes overall have been going pretty good, but I definitely have like, I want to say somewhere between 10 to 20% of my students are like not doing anything. Wow. Like no, I'd I say that's a lot lower at the middle school level. I think they're still yeah. trying to please. Yeah. And, <clears throat> you know, at the high school level, kids are a lot more independent and don't have that parental oversight, you know? Right. 
and uh, or these are kids that are home by themselves and their parents are at work um, <clears throat> and they're just not doing anything. Like I literally have I some of the some I shouldn't say aren't doing anything that are like failing or have a D, but um, some of those students are trying. They're just not like distance learning does not work for them. Like they need more support than that. Yeah. And then you have the other contingent of kids that are, they're struggling with the online learning. They struggle with school anyway. And their uh, reaction to it is to just disappear is to like pull back and not do anything. I have one, no, two students in my, in my algebra two trig class, which is like an advanced math class. Right. Uh, that have literally not turned in a single thing wow, or taken a single that? assessment, like not one, not a single thing. That is, and, yeah. For a, and like one of the two shows up to the zooms for like ten or fifteen minutes and then disappears, and the other one just never shows up to the zooms, like just radio silence. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, it's kind of crazy. So. I think they're like dealing with this wave of students that are going to get F's. Um, and he's trying to like, trying to find a way to make that not happen. And I don't think it will. <laughs> I don't think he's going to find a solution, but I, I, I did actually kind of appreciate it because it did sort of basically how I took it is like teach, you know, do what you think is best. Like you're not, you're under no one's thumb, like just do what you think is right. So I, I kind of appreciated that in terms of like the freedom to sort of do teach what I want to teach and cut out what I want to cut out. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I'm having to make like big decisions about content that has to be cut because I Ooh. just don't have enough time to cover it, which is hard in a math class. It's like <laughs> you have to make sure it's the right thing. It's not going to screw them too bad. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Cause you have to prepare them and, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Cause we're kind of operating under the assumption that we'll be back in the classrooms next year. And like, I think we're going to just have this epidemic of kids that are underprepared, Ugh. you know? So I don't know. Man, luckily so sixth grade social studies, we don't do definitely have, don't have that pressure. It's, it's right. pretty simple at this, at this level right now. We're just making sure they have basic, reading and writing skills and can you identify a main idea like point to the right. main idea right <laughs> and i wish I'm, it's like that I'm, map reading thing i sent you like right. so, so we're <laughs> that here. was so funny <laughs> i was i was cracking up so much I so wait where coming. are we <laughs> <laughs> he's like point to point to where we are and he's like yeah. here no no here no i fucking told you <laughs> He's like, why is Frodo attacking Isengard? He's like, no, no, he's not doing that. Oh my God, that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, so you're teaching that to your sixth graders. I'm yes. right now trying to teach 15-year-olds how to factor quadratic functions, find their key features, and use the key features of the graph of quadratics to solve story problems. Oh my god! And it is a fucking mind bender for some of these kids. Oh my god! Ugh, I feel like so much of that is like you need to be hands on, mm-hmm. like like free handwriting, and oh, that would be really really tough. With social studies, you can just kind of type out stuff, or if you're lazy, right. just copy and paste from Wikipedia. 
And because I'm like crunched on time, like all my classes are just like, all right, kids, here we go. Notes, like listen and pay attention. And if they just zone out or go play video games or whatever, they're just not going to get it, you know? Right. You have to be, you have to force yourself to be engaged because I can't make you do it, you know? Yep. Yep. That's like the big, yeah, independent thing they have to work on themselves like just kind of out of the blue this year it's like you have to push yourself (laughs) it's like i'm not there to push you do it i can do it now do Do me now (laughs) do me now (laughs) oh well should we get going here it's almost uh nine already shit oh my god holy shit holy shit i was i was really bummed that even though Franco is listed as the medic, like we don't see any medic. I don't think we don't see him. Do we? Yeah. They, they just popped that in the credits. That's kind of a fun Easter egg though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he wasn't even in the actual movie credits. He's only on the IMDB. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I think if he was anywhere, he would have been like, Oh no, I think that's his head. Okay. Pause it at second 14. That's his head. Oh my God. We've got head. (laughs) (laughs) Go tell your moms and dads listeners. We've got head. We've got head. So, oh, so behind his shoulder there? No, no, no. In front. See that kind of big bushy head? Oh, like he's giving him head. Yeah. No, that's not it. (laughs) (laughs) It looks like, wait, you're talking about in front of like right below the fire extinguisher? Yes. That, the big a, fuzzy thing, it looks like he's going down on him. <laughs> well, he's kind of looking to the side. If, I, if, if I'm guessing. Oh, like that's human his anime. forehead. I got it now. Oh, we're giving him forehead. That's not a okay. thing. We've got forehead. Speaking of giving forehead, Jeff, where can people find you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this guy. Oh, man. Oh, okay, so I got it now. I see that's his shiny forehead right there. He's in here. Okay, we're going to have to mention him now, right? You, <clears throat> yeah. you promised to mention him? Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. He's sitting in his lap. Boring. <laughs> All right. It's a good year, 2003. I'm excited to talk about it. 